You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. If you'd like to get a free copy, just send a text to 33444 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 33444. Let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Vin Clancy, and he's an infamous growth hacker that went from being on social welfare in the UK to winning best speaker at South by Southwest for his growth hacking talk, finishing a hundred date world tour and earning six figures in his debut growth hacking book. Vin is on a mission to speak the truth to the many lies about internet marketing that's out there today. He's ready to debunk myths and share growth hacks for any industry related to your audience. So I want to welcome you to the show, Vin. It's awesome to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for being here. Now, you're in LA, but you used to live in the UK. You just moved here recently, right? That's right, yeah, just under a year ago. Perfect. And your book is called The 100 Most Powerful Growth Hacks in the World Right Now. And that launched just a couple of months ago, right? Yeah, so yeah, that's uh, yeah, Ace the Game, the top 100 growth hacks. Yeah. It's a testament to having an audience and building something people want. I knew a lot of B2B guys, a lot of startup guys. They need growth hacks because they can't afford to spend on Facebook ads. They can't afford to go to roadshows. So yeah, so I I put that together. It made $10,000 in the first hour. I made the top three on Product Hunt. Another side hack, I would add, probably getting ahead of myself here, but... um. Product Hunt is such a critical way of launching uh, a, you know, your new startup or product. I, I know it sounds obvious, and there's some great guides about Product Hunt out there. And uh, you know, I, I can talk as much as your viewers want about different B2B growth hacks. But of all the things we did, you know, building a bot list, building an email list, and making sure that everyone knew we were launching on Product Hunt, having a GIF in the image, making sure we had people want, etc. You know what the big thing we did that made the biggest difference? We launched one minute after, what's that American holiday, July 4th? Independence Day. Independence Day, right. So we took the guess that, uh, you know, as maniacal as Silicon Valley startups are, they have to let their staff go home for Independence Day and see their family. So um, the key of Product Hunt is to launch uh, just after midnight because that's when they reset. So you get the most votes for the day. So like, you know, five minutes after midnight, after Independence Day, we were on Product Hunt. I meant we had a lot less competition. We activated all our audience to give us lots of upvotes. And by the morning, we were in the top three and making thousands of dollars in sales. So that's a real key thing. And the number of upvotes we got, if we had done it a couple of days either side, we wouldn't have made the top five. Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, Yeah. we're definitely going to dive into some B2B growth hacks. That's going to be where you're going to hone in and try to really help the audience get focused on how they can leverage maybe some low risk, high reward type growth hacks. We're definitely going to do that. But before we do that, I know we talked a little bit about the book. Give us a quick backstory. Take a minute or two and tell us kind of what led up to the book and what caused you or motivated you to launch that book. Sure. So 
I think we've got to go back to like 2011 and a movie called The Social Network came out uh, about Facebook. And I was there with like a, like a 17 year old kid, a friend of mine. And we've been talking about doing a startup for a while, but we just kind of never got round to it. At that time, I was on social welfare, living off uh, like 72 British pounds a week. So uh, I really had no money, but I knew I wanted to do a startup. So I started an online magazine called Planet Ivy, and I got 300,000 visitors a month within six months. So we did this by creating an army of writers and learning how to make uh, stuff go viral. And within a year, we had a million visitors a month. I got a a check for a quarter million dollars, and I was off debt, off welfare, and I was in the startup game. We got a second site to a million visitors a month in 100 days. We launched a second round and got into the Techstars Business Accelerator ahead of 1,500 other companies. And then I launched a growth hacking agency, started public speaking, uh, one best speaker at South by Southwest V2V within three months of just starting to speak because people were so thirsty for what I had, this growth hacking knowledge. No one else was uh, giving it at the time. The, the industry has developed a lot since then. I did a 100-day world tour speaking about growth hacking to get my agency clients. Launched my first book, Secret Source, Step-by-Step Guide to Growth Hacking. That did $100,000 in pre-orders. So that came out early 2016. Again, we, we, was, we were just ahead of the curve with that, which worked really well. Um, since then, I've moved to the United States on an O-1 visa. And my second book just came out, Ace the Game, 100 Best Growth Hacks in the World, which is a curation mainly of other people's growth hacks. So a lot of books are like, here's my knowledge, here's the way I did it, and maybe it'll work for you. But the truth is it won't. The truth is there's a lot of factors to uh, startup and business to s- success. Timing is really one of them. So Planet Ivy, we were getting 20 pound CPMs on our ads. So like, that's, that's a lot of ad money. You wouldn't get $1 CPM for most ads now, most banner ads. So like, you know, if I was to say, follow exactly what I did, I'd be wrong. So with Ace the Game, this is all of the best growth hackers and internet marketers who are in the game right now, doing it for their companies, doing it for people. People have spent $60 million on Facebook ads. So it's a curation of that because I find most books are awful. You know, they tell stories that are irrelevant and they're like, this worked for me. So it worked for you and it won't work. So you basically went out and aggregated the best of the best, put it in this book and then delivered it to the market, which was obviously very thirsty for this type of content. Growth hacking's become a very mainstream topic and term and phrase. And so you've been able to capitalize on that. So a little bit of your business, you told me beforehand, you have a growth hacking agency and you also have, I think you teach and train on that topic. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So I want to get a little bit micro into your business before we dive into the B2B growth hacks that you're going to share. Tell us today, you know, as it relates predominantly to your agency, right? Which is more of a B2B process, a B2B sales. What's the number one strategy that's helping you, the number one growth hack or strategy that's helping you get new clients today for your agency? This, well, I'll give you the true answer, though it may not be the most helpful. That's okay. Um, I'd rather have the the truth. The network I built with public speaking was, is somewhat formidable. And the funny thing is like, I'm a real internet marketer and I get really excited about what I'm doing on the teaching side. On the agency side, we, we barely have a website. A few powerful people in LA know who we are, and they just refer us leads. But in terms of how would that help the listener, it's because I did 100-day speaking around the world. So I spoke everywhere. 
I like startup grind conference in Silicon Valley, growth marketing conference in both New York and San Francisco. So all of the key places where people in that space would be. So that's really how I get leads. People refer them to me. So you did speaking events where you develop relationships with maybe startup CEOs, maybe influencers, maybe people that are putting those events on, and then now you've leveraged those relationships to get referrals to help build your your agency side of your business. Yeah, 100%. So can you give us a little bit of sense of scale as to how big your business is today, whether it be number of employees or percentage growth or revenue or whatever you want to share to give us a, a sense of how big that business is now? Sure. It is a high six figure right now. Okay. So currently it's high six figures. Are you, I mean, is it on a trajectory where in the next year to two years, you'd be looking at multiple seven figures? Yes. Absolutely. Perfect. All right. Awesome. So let's dive into the kind of the meat and potatoes of what we talked about from the beginning, these B2B growth hacks. You know, I've been in the B2B industry pretty much my entire career. A lot of my audience is in B2B sales and marketing. So could you do us a huge favor and tell us, I think you were going to share three B2B growth hacks, three go-to B2B growth hacks to help my audience grow their business, start generating leads and new clients. Could you take that over and share that with us? Sure. So firstly, LinkedIn lead generation is still the best way to grow a B2B company. So a business partner of mine, Charlie Price, runs an agency that pretty much only does this. So what you need to do is uh, look up a piece of software called Linked Helper. So LinkedIn Helper, you give it a LinkedIn search. So CEOs of software companies in San Francisco, for instance, it will then automatically connect with all of those. And if they accept your connection request, it will then send them a hello message. So if you write an, a very crafty hello message that includes humor, that admits that, yes, this is a sales email, but you know it's going to be better than the others. Everyone else sucks. I don't know, some bit of humor then people, I, people don't mind it as long as you're honest about what you're doing. So in the last one I sent out, I said, in case this has uh, upset you and ruined your day, here's a useful piece of information. The Olsen twins say the word prunes to get the perfect face in selfies. So it's like, it's just the last thing you'd expect in a business message. And there's an entire army of people doing this. It's, it's called the Charm Offensive Manner. Uh, so Charm Offensive is a Facebook group. And you're sitting there thinking, well, that won't work on Apple. That won't work on Hewlett Packard. It does. There's countless case studies. When you show up with humor in that cold message, especially on LinkedIn, it really works. And you can scale that across. You have six people in your company and they're all sending us messages. That really adds up. So, and that leads the second, which is cold email. Cold email is the only way to reach thousands of people's eyeballs essentially for free, you know, a tiny server cost to send the emails um, every single day. And again, in the charm offensive method, you would write it and then you would say, in case this has annoyed you, here's a picture of a tiny dog in a bowler hat, or here's a picture of a pug in a mug, um, etc. So like, it really, it's really disarming that you include that human. So cold email at scale you know, you've scraped emails using tools like Find That Lead, one of the best email scraping tools on the internet. And you scrape people's emails at scale, and then you put them in a drip sequence. And finally, the one I mentioned earlier is public speaking. Before you move forward, Vin, what software would you typically use for sending out those emails, the mass emails? So at a small scale, so 500 emails a day or less, I would use Mailshake. And as you scale up, there are others that can work better. But 
I found Mailshake to be excellent. And then if you have five different email addresses, well, that 500 now becomes 3,000 emails per day. And it's a little better to have brilliant personalized messages than blasting. You know, you could buy a 1.2 million email list today. It's going to suck, though. Like the scale won't work. So yeah, so at that scale, you should be really testing how good is the copy before you get into split testing 100 different things at the size of the font and so on. But yeah, Mailshake is the one that I recommend. Okay, great. So that's cold email. And then number three? Number three is public speaking. There's just no better way of getting a room full of people who can all hear your pitch at once. So your talk is to give value, but really it's it's a sales letter for you as a person. So you talk about the biggest problems in the industry, you reveal some solutions, you give your story, you have your social proof. So for me, it might be I've been featured in Forbes, Inc., BuzzFeed, Wired, Vice, etc., plus all the things I've done in my past, plus worked with the royal family, plus interviewed celebrities, etc. So all of this positions you as the authority, and then you make an offer at the end of each talk. The key is you've got to have real amazing value that you know blows people's minds. It just won't work otherwise. So public speaking is great because it can scale really easily. Once you have a talk, you know, 30 minutes of great value, you can use Meetup and Eventbrite and message all of the event hosts and organizers of different meetups around America, Canada and beyond in Europe, if you want to go there too. So th- this is the method I used when I was picked to speak at South by Southwest V2V. With a month's notice, I booked eight other gigs in America from a completely standing start and got clients out of them. And that was just from pure hustle on Eventbrite, looking at co-working spaces and just going for it. So public speaking is so killer. You know, you, you just message people. I think your meetup looks great. I have a massive network I can invite. You just say that. They never check. And then copy and paste that message to all of them. And yeah, you, you will be booking a lot of speaking gigs. And off the back of that, people want to have meetings with you. It's so powerful because people want to see people face to face. It's not just another ad they see, it's someone real. So I'm interested in digging into that Eventbrite strategy that you just talked about for finding and booking speaking events. So, you know, you're, you said that you were booked at South by Southwest. Let's start there. You said you had a month's notice. What was it? How did that all come to play that you were, that they asked you to speak there? Was it something you applied for? Was it something that they came to you? How did that work? I applied for it. There was, I was in the Techstars Accelerator and there was a a email blast out. Who wants to speak? You know, who wants to apply to speak here? I was like, all right, let's say I, I remember where I was in a coffee shop on Shoreditch Roundabout in East London. And yeah, I remember filling that out and just completely forgot about it. And then a while later, it's just like, wow, I'm going to Las Vegas. I mean, I'm from London. That's a real big deal. Las Vegas. Anyway, um, so yes. <laughs> I love the way you say Las Vegas. I'm <laughs> <laughs> speaking there again next week. I love that place. Um, yeah, so I, so yeah, there was an application and I went for it. And some of the talks on my tour was just, I, I looked up a list of all the conferences in North America and just applied for them one by one. It's, it's, it's what Gary Vaynerchuk calls eating shit. I'll give you an, another method that is great for making sales, especially if you're a consultant or you've been in the space a little while. Well, Vin, before we dive into that, could you talk about that Eventbrite method? Because I know that there's, you know, there's speaker calls and there's all these events out there where, you know, you can apply. But typically, the deadlines for those is you need to apply, you know, it's usually three to six months or more in advance in order to be even considered for speakers, particularly at some of the major events. 
Did you have a specific strategy that you used on Eventbrite to get booked at smaller or more regional events? Was that something, I kind of trying to read between the lines, you mentioned that Eventbrite. Is that, how did you go about that? Well, that's, well, like, well, as I mentioned, you just find them and then you just send them that message that uh, you, you want to give a call on X. Here's what you've done in the past. It's like, I can't complicate it anymore. Right. I sent it to all of them. Almost all of them turned out to be good. There was one bad one in Redmond, Seattle that my intern booked. <laughs> that was a disaster. But all, all of the other ones, and the, the key is, in public speaking, like you're not going to get the big thing first. I emailed General Assembly in Austin, Texas, and then they put me on to a classroom talk to 30 or 40 people. And then South by Southwest comes to Texas. Do you want to do one of the arena halls to like 200, 300 people? And of course, you get the $1,500 badge to attend for the whole weekend, as well as a big old talk that looks great on camera. And then someone sees me there and then they buy one of my $2,000 coaching courses. So it's all relative, but it, it all comes with starting. It like, and very quickly, I went from these small talks to a lot bigger because you can just say to the event organizer, how many people do you generally get at your events? And if it's under 100, you just say no. But um, yeah, th- th- there's, no, there's no madness to the method. It's just go and meet up in Eventbrite and message everyone who has a meetup, which is regular, which looks quite busy, which looks like people attend and just hammer them. So you took it on the road and you basically were just doing all these regional meetup events. And then that was part of how you got a lot of clients. But then you were also using that in the meantime, before you even performed at South by Southwest, before you even spoke there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was just, just a a straight hustle. You know, I I will go anywhere to speak a a bit like a stand up comedian because you get better at what you're doing and you get your name out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And also as a European. Yeah, America is the best. Yeah, awesome. I interrupted you and I apologize for that, but I wanted to clarify on that event. I didn't think there was a big catch to it, but I definitely wanted to clarify for the audience that it's very simple and very duplicatable. You were going to mention another sales strategy or hack that you were using or that you wanted to share with the audience. What was that? Do you remember? Well, we were talking about public speaking. Yeah, I don't know. No, it's okay. No problem. Again, it's my fault. I interrupted you, but so let me ask you this. Let, let's move forward. So you started your first business back in 2011, right? 2012. 2012, yeah. back in 2012. So it's been five, six years now. You've been grinding and learning and making mistakes and having wins and losses. So here's my question to you. What's the biggest challenge that you've faced so far in growing your business, You know, particularly in building and growing a successful and sustainable business to date? If you had to pick one thing. Yeah, so that's an easy one. I'm actually going through it right now. Burnout, overwhelm, and like health issues due to overwork. That's been the biggest one. Like I always say, and I got in a lot of trouble for saying this, burnout is a good thing because the overwhelming majority of entrepreneurs are not working hard enough. Am I really going to quote Milo Yiannopoulos? But before he was crazy, Milo Yiannopoulos used to run a tech publication. He wrote this article a while ago. And it was about London startups. And we have an Easter break in the UK. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was like a Thursday and they were about to break for Easter. And he was like, see you in a week. And Milo overheard it. He went, a week? You're running a startup. You don't get to have a week off. And I completely agree. People just don't work hard enough. And eventually 
you start to notice the signs of burnout and like I might need to watch a Netflix box set and like chill and do a little less. And it took me a while to realize it. And it like kind of made me unproductive for long periods. But like that's really what it takes. It's like people pass around these quotes from Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, you know, Bill, but they just don't follow the spirit of them. Bill Gates said, I didn't have a single day off in my 20s, not one. Do we need to talk about how hard Steve Jobs worked, arguably worked himself to death on those two companies? And everyone's read his book, but people don't follow it. They want to look up to the people. Elon Musk said, I recommend all entrepreneurs work 100 hour weeks. Because if you're working 100 and someone else is working 50, you'll simply get there twice as fast. And people, people tend to go, oh, the counterpoint of working smart. But until you have a big company underneath you, you can't really work smart. Like, because smart means you hand off the tasks to other people. But you can't afford a copywriter. You can't really afford a video team. You can't really, you know, like, there's so many things you can't afford when you're coming up. So yes, as soon as possible, have a team. And like my team does, like on my agency side, 90 to 95% of the total amount of work, of course. But, you know, I'm in the luxury. I've been through the grind of doing that. So, yeah, like though overwhelm and exhaustion is my biggest problem, I've got a fat stack of achievements that sit underneath that just couldn't have been done any other way. And as a case in point, on this book, I tried to scale. I have money. I have money to spend. So I invested in PR, podcasts and Facebook ads. Not much difference. You know, my own hustle, my own community, tens of thousands of dollars in sales. The other things, eh, not much. Uh, so a lot of it has to come from you, especially if you're the, the founder. What do you do now to try to not burn out? Now that you've recognized it, right? You're kind of aware that that could be an issue or a trap or something that could land you in the hospital or, or any number of other things. What do you do now to unwind and maybe prevent that burnout? Sure, that, that's a good question. So the first thing is a lot of burnout comes from mental, like uh, I'm in good enough physical shape. So to unload that mental stress, I go to flotation tanks every week without fail. So that is sensory deprivation. Uh, you go and you lie in salt water. There's no gravity. There's no sound. There's no light. There's no smell. And because you don't, because you're not in an environment where I don't know, things can get to you, uh, your brain repairs, your body repairs, and there's a ton of scientific data that supports this. And like you just and looking into things like this that are what I call a hammer blow to the head. It's like some mentors will be like, write down your top three for the day and make sure they get done. No, not if you're exhausted. You you won't even look at the list. I tried it. Like you need something like that that completely shocks your system. The other shock to the system I do is colonic irrigation. That is phenomenally good for you. So serotonin is made in the gut. So your happiness, like all the medical studies are showing, that's where it comes from. People use think it comes from your brain. It doesn't. It comes from your stomach. So if you have a lot of stomach acid in there from stress and anxiety, that will help to stop all of that. I mean, there's a ton of different benefits, and I can't talk about the medical stuff, but um, those are the two hammer blow things that have worked for me. And I could talk about other things like diet, like no soy, no gluten, minimal red meat, no alcohol, no coffee, like a lot of things like that. But um, those are the things I go to that uh, fix me. Perfect. No, I appreciate that. Because I think everybody experiences that at one time or another, if they've built a seven or eight figure business. I know I have, and I know a lot of my friends have, and a lot of the people that have been guests on this podcast. So I think that's great advice. 
So before we wrap it up here, let's do rapid fire really quick. What's your favorite growth tool or software that you're using today to grow your business? If you had to pick one. For the longest time, I said audience, A-U-G-I-E-N-S-E. So with that, and especially for you guys in B2B, you can scrape all of Twitter around a keyword. So you could search for all founders in the United States or all accountants in New York, if that's who you're targeting. Uh, and from there, you can export that data. You can follow them. You can tweet at them. But um, just having that database of all of that data at your fingertips is a really powerful thing. So I, I, I still believe audience is great. Uh, another cool tool is Rebump. Um, if you email someone and they don't get back to you, Rebump will email them every 24 hours forever. Oh, neat. Interesting. Okay, great. And the first one was audience, and that's A-U-D-I-E-N-S-E? Yeah. Great. Okay, I'll put those in the show notes for sure. And besides your book, what's a book that you would recommend to my audience? Uh, the 48 Laws of Power. Uh, so that was the most powerful book I read when I was on welfare. And that will teach you how to go to VCs and win that game. So golden rules like say less, act like a king to be treated like one, destroy your enemy totally. Like it, it's a, this amazing, it's almost a book on behavioral economics. But uh, yeah, it'll serve you very well as you traverse the corridors of power. Perfect. Well, listen, then let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about your book, and then we'll close it out for today. Sure. Uh, AceTheGame.com is my book. Um, the 100 Best Growth Hacks in the World. That's the best thing I've ever created. Otherwise, to keep up with me, it's uh, Vin Clancy on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everything. Perfect. Well, listen, Vin, totally appreciate it. Congrats on the book. And I'm sure we'll be talking again real soon. Great. Thank you. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.